0: On today's episode, we'll be discussing health IT hits and misses. And yeah, this will be a fun argument. (laughs) And be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 15 years of health IT blog content at healthcareitoday.com. Today's topic is inspired by the start of baseball. Colin's a a, a, a a Toronto Blue Jays fan, and I'm a Rangers fan. And my prediction is that the Rangers will be a hit and the Blue Jays will be a miss. Oh! Oh, we're, st- <laughs> we're starting it off
1: already, John. I get it. That's okay. It's okay. It's just because we have a better lineup. That's all right. You're not going to jealous. <laughs> That's all.
0: <laughs> to be honest, I haven't kept up. I've been too busy. <laughs> but You know, we can always hope. That's what fans do, right? <laughs> that's right.
1: It, that's whirling the season. There's always uh, room to hope. Unfortunately, we did lose two out of three to the Rangers. Um, but, uh, but yes, it, it's a long season. And, uh, I'm, you know, it's kind of fun to see fans back in the uh, in the stands. Uh, it's also a bit unnerving to see that many fans in the stands yeah, at, at Arlington Stadium. But, uh, but, yeah, it's a sign of summer, right, that, uh, that baseball is back.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if we want to all move to Texas or none of us want to move to Texas. (laughs) But Either way, it's some sign of normality. And I think that's a good thing.
1: It is a good thing. But in the spirit of that, let's talk about a few health IT hits or misses. Uh, And maybe I'll start this one off, John, by, by putting this one out to you. Is remote patient monitoring a hit or miss right now?
0: So I think it's early. So this is a nice one because we are kind of predicting, I think still, is it going to be a hit or is it going to be a miss? Because I don't think there's enough data there to really say officially, yeah, this indicates that it is a hit or a miss. So, I, you know, this is more of a prediction one. But my prediction on... RPM, remote patient monitoring, is it's going to be a hit. In fact, I'm going so far as to say I could see remote patient monitoring being the key to primary care and it's not quite a replacement for primary care but it may be the door that you that basically pushes you into primary care and decides when you need primary care and when you don't because it's going to replace a lot of that those things that maybe we went to the primary care for and even replacing urgent care and ED which quite frankly, a lot of patients treat urgent care and the and the ED as their primary care and it's going to replace those in many ways because remote patient monitoring is going to create a relationship with you. It's going to understand you over a period of time and have a, you've had interaction with them, so they're going to better know how to direct your care than your primary care physician who sees you once a year for 15 minutes about a very specific chief complaint. So that's my prediction. RPM is a big hit and possibly a replacement, or at least the door to primary care.
1: Wow. Interesting. I am a lot more pessimistic. (laughs) Um, I am, I am saying, I'm, I'm saying or predicting that uh, remote patient monitoring technology is going to be a hit. I think Mm. with the cost of devices coming down with the number of players from the consumer side, whether that's Samsung, Philips, Apple, or uh, Google, I think the costs are going to go down Functionality is going to go up. And I think patients will want this stuff in their home, right? Yeah. Um, we're already comfortable ordering everything through Alexa and talking <laughs> to our TVs. Uh, I mean, how, how hard is it going to be to have something monitoring falls and things like that you know, passively in the home? So I think technology-wise, it's going to be, definitely be a hit. But I'm actually saying that it's going to be a miss for a long time because I don't think the uh, reimbursement is going to change mm-hmm. to allow this to happen. I think people will want it to happen, but I think there's essentially going to be a financial disincentive to do this. Like who's going to pay for this? I don't think payers are going to step up to the plate um, because I don't think there's enough proof yet that says, if I do this, I don't have to pay for why. So I think it's going to take a long time, a lot longer than people hope or want. But I, I, I think in the next few years, we're not going to see the uptick of this. We're not going to see the same rocket curve that we did for telehealth, for example. So I'm saying actually on that side, the adoption side, we're going to see a miss on remote patient monitoring for a while until somebody changes the the reimbursement model
0: well the dev- devices need to get better for it to be more effective although it's amazing what they're doing i mean we even have ones that are listening to your voice and understanding from your voice your health you have cameras that are watching and grabbing your temperature automatically you have the you know apple watch obviously which is doing continuous ecg i mean so we're starting to see exciting things and breakthroughs to your point on the tech side of things and you're right it's complicated to understand what all of that that swath of data (laughs) means for you and how to address your health and you know man who am i to argue with reimbursement i'm the guy that says follow the money but (laughs) that said i think you know medicare is the one that stepped up to the plate and said hey we're going to pay for this and it would be great for other private insurance payers to come in on board and do something similar and i think they're going to i think they're going to do that eventually and there's going to be enough meat on the bone there from the experience of medicare that everyone else is going to say yeah we need to start doing this too and i think doctors if they create the right partnerships with rpm companies to be able to do this they could benefit from it and push the payers to really start reimbursing it as well
1: yeah, I mean, I hope so. I mean, and you're right about the technology. It's definitely improving in leaps and bounds. Um, I just think that the the amount that they're reimbursing right now, it doesn't cover the cost of the device even in most cases, right? Like, and then on top of that, there's the actual payment to the to the physicians to or whoever or is the organization to actually monitor the information coming from these uh, these wonderful devices. So I don't think the the amounts are quite right yet. Uh, it's a start. I agree that you know CMS thankfully has at least seen the light and, and and put some money towards this. I just think, you know, when when uh, we get out of this COVID thing, you know, will will the attention be put there? Will it remain there? It's uncertain. So that's why I'm saying it's a miss. I, I agree with you. I think in the long term it will be um, you know, something that, you know, is a is a new modality of care. But I think we're still a few years away from it being a bonafide hit.
0: I think the other thing that's exciting is seeing how much of the infrastructure is in place to really do this. And whether that's the people, the care managers that know how to assist with this, we're starting to see that get put in place. But also even you know organizations like Lenovo, who are willing to put the devices in the consumer's hands so that the health system doesn't have to do that. I mean, they, they've, they've been doing it for their own employees, and they don't really want to be in that business, <laughs> whereas Lenovo has been putting consumer devices in consumers' hands forever. So I think there's great progress there as well that allows a health system to put the device in the person's hand to be able to do the remote patient monitoring effectively. And those partnerships are just going to flourish when it comes to it so that you know the health system does what it does best, and p- companies like Lenovo or other organizations can do what that they do best which is delivering the consumer device creating a great experience for the patient so that they turn it on and it just works and they have connectivity which you know really that's actually our next topic so it's a good good transition which is 5g which I think is going to enable remote patient monitoring, but it's also really powerful within the organization to be able to allow an organization to have high-speed internet across multiple campuses. Uh, so l- let's talk about that 5G. Is it a hit or miss in your book?
1: Oh, um, definitely a hit. Um, and I think a couple of reasons for that. First of all, the technology is solid, right? I meant the, the low latency, the amount of data that you can transmit at the speeds that you can transmit it, at least at the high band um, uh, G is going to be just incredible. Um, it's probably a little overkill for most healthcare uses, but for remote patient monitoring, for the ability to have remote surgery, you know, those robots and things like that, um, uh, drones that deliver life-saving medications, all these things will require the 5G networks. And then also just um, personal five G, you know, installing those kinds of antennas and repeaters and things inside the hospital will allow the hospital to be just that much more connected with all the IoT and everything that's going in there. So, in my mind, you know, the technology is solid, the cost is right. Um, you know, I think five G is going to be a hit. It's going to take a little bit of time to make the investments, don't get me wrong, and install the new towers and things. But I'm definitely uh, banking on this being a hit.
0: Yeah, your point about bandwidth is interesting because we don't really need it for most applications that we're doing. But what's interesting is every time we've upgraded speed of the network, we've used that speed. And so in many ways, implementing 5G and what it brings is gonna enable innovations that before we would have just not even been able to think about. For example, if we're doing any sort of radiology or imaging, everyone's like, well, it's gotta be on site. I need this local and I need this, you know, certain speed. Well, if we have 5g that goes all the way to the, to the cloud, like, do we need that anymore? And will that lower the cost where we can do those type of large files, whether it's imaging, whether it's genomic information that obviously gets in the massive sizes as well? Could we do that from the cloud using 5G? Yeah, I mean, I think we will eventually. That's that We've proven. It's kind of like when you buy a house, right? If you buy this enormous house and you move from a two-bedroom apartment to a four-bedroom house and you're like, how am I going to fill this space? And then a year later, you're like, oh man, we're just full. It's, it's kind of <laughs> similar, right? Like when you roll out 5G. So I'll say, you know, yeah, I think there are some challenges. There's some expenses that many people don't understand associated with 5G. So I'm going to give it two years to really fully mature. And then I think it's going to be a big hit where everyone's going to be like, well, of course we're using 5G. Just like now we we say, of course we're using Wi-Fi. You know, two, two years from now, I think everyone's going to be like, well, yeah, you're not using 5G. You have a mobile phone that doesn't do 5G. What are you talking about?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And you're right about the whole, there needs to be some investments made. I mean, you know, there's companies out there like Corning, for example, that's talking about, you know, the need to have fiber uh, running into the facility in order for you to even then have your own uh, endpoint 5G networks inside the hospital because it needs to connect to the, the internet. You need a high speed pipe in order to do that. You need fiber in order to handle that volume of stuff going into the cloud. Uh, but the good news is of course the antennas and those kinds of things for 5g, they're smaller, right? They don't have to be mounted on those giant poles outside. You need, you need more of them. Uh, but the benefits that you'll be able to get, I think from these, uh, from the bandwidth and from the zero latency is going to be amazing. And to your point, there will be new inventions that we're not even thinking of that will suddenly be able to, you will now be able to take advantage, right? Like for example, like, um, you Know it wasn't until 4G came along that really video on your phone became a thing, right? Well, because cute. before that it was not possible, like, you would not sit there on a 3G network and try to download a video, which just wasn't possible. So although we had YouTube, no one could watch it right? like <laughs> on their phone. You had to wait to get home to your laptop. Now it's like most videos are viewed on the phone, and now we have applications like TikTok and so forth that were only possible because of 4G. And you could argue whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think the same thing will happen. 5G will roll out. We'll be like, oh, this is great. It's, you know, my YouTube is faster, but I really don't see the difference. It's not until a couple of years later, then we'll start to see the innovation. And that's what I'm excited for. And that's why I'm saying definitely it's going to be a hit.
0: Yeah, and it may get held back because so many people have invested in big Wi-Fi networks and they may, they may not understand 5G and the needs of 5G and how to roll it out. And so that may slow things a little bit, but eventually it's all going to go that way.
1: I agree. I agree. Hey, if you're listening, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lynn and Colin Hung. Today, we're talking about health IT hits and misses. And if you enjoy listening to our show, we think you'll really enjoy the Healthcare Rap podcast with our friends, Jared Johnson and Zane Ismail. The Healthcare Wrap has been discussing digital transformation in healthcare for more than three years and 150 episodes. Each week, Jared and Zane share provocative thinking for healthcare innovators and digital teams with a fresh, unique style. And yes, there is actual rapping. <laughs> so please subscribe today to Healthcare Wrap on Alexa, Spotify, Apple, or anywhere where you listen to podcasts. So John, we've talked about um, remote patient monitoring. We just talked about 5G. I want to talk about this one because it's near and dear to my heart because it's, uh, I came from this space. But what do you think about texting patients? Has that been a hit or a miss?
0: Well, I feel after talking about the healthcare rap podcast, my answer should be in rap form, or or do we text a rap to the patients to engage the patient? I think. I
1: think. No.
0: Back then, I think. I
1: think. Jared has a uh, has a non non-disclosure, like an uh, exclusive arrangement on. <laughs> oh, so we, on yeah. so we can't. do it. Yeah, it's
0: probably good for us. <laughs> probably good for our listeners. Probably good though. <laughs> no, but I, I think it's interesting because people underestimate the power of a text message (laughs) at first when I looked at it I know I did I was like yeah I mean can you really do everything you need to in a text and we've kind of proven that yeah you can do a lot more than you realize and whether that's you know sharing long threads of messages with a doctor or with a patient or whether it's Sending a link with an attachment in the text that links to the resource that you really want them to get access to or they want to be able to see. Like it's so much more powerful than we realize because with the number of characters in the text and the link you can do just about everything. So I think that, you know, in that mind, I think it's a huge hit. I think it's only a miss because some doctors don't embrace it. Right. (laughs) And so, you know, I guess, uh, you know, it's, it's the fact that they're not stepping up to the plate to take a swing at the bat, you know, is, is where the miss is. but, you know, for, for anyone that's using it, they've seen the value of it and they see that it's a huge hit with their patients.
1: So to sort of leverage our baseball analogy, I, I look at texting patients as a really, really hot hitter that's now currently in a slump. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so it, in general, I agree with you. It is a hit. I think people are have, have really uh, realized the fact that, yeah, you can do a lot with texting that we never imagined when it first came on the scene. Um, and, you know, I know we started, you know, the world with appointment reminders and things, but now we're into like patient education. You can, you know, uh, uh, text links to ask them to go to the portal, to go check out a resource. You can even send that resource right in the text. You can have uh, automated conversations with chatbots via text. Like there's a whole bunch of things you can do via text. And in, in countries where there isn't the, the powerful infrastructure of Wi-Fi, texting is sort of the only tool, right? Like it's the only mechanism that you have and everyone's got it. You don't have to download any special apps and things. So I definitely think from that side it's a hit, but I think unfortunately what's happened is it's been implemented in a very weird, strange way, and now we're in a spot where it's actually not so great. Hmm. What I mean by that is every app, every system <laughs> has the ability to text patients, right? So your, you know, your surgical system has like, oh, well, you know, pre-surgery I'm gonna text the patients the instructions, and then you're like the appointment system that you have is emailing or texting people to say, well, you know, you should go to the portal. And so literally as a patient, I could get six or seven texts a day from the same hospital for very different reasons, or even for the same appointment, but they're coming from different subsystems. And so today there's no, uh, there's no sort of master text traffic cop that's sitting there going, Hey, wait a minute, you're trying to text John. Like this is the fifth text you're sending them. Why couldn't we have just consolidated this into one text? and given you a link to everything. Like, I think that's where we're at now is we've got so much, so many systems texting patients that it's starting to lose its effect. Um, Hmm. So I think we're heading for that. I I think some hospitals are experiencing this right now that have a lot of these systems turned on. I think others are just starting to pick that up. So that's why I think texting is sort of in the middle of a slump.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of all the alert fatigue discussion with uh, texting with doctors and nurses and all of that although i think it's just different with a patient and maybe it's you know i think maybe covid made it possible for us to just say oh yeah we're used to it because i got the text from the restaurant that says i'm checked in and then the text to say i have five minutes and then i get a text to say it's ready and so you know, and texts are so easy to go through. Uh, you know, I mean, the same thing happens with my kids' school. I, I get a text, I get a phone call, and they leave a message, and then they send me an email. And you know, it's slightly annoying. You know, I, I'm kind of like, yeah, well, why do I do this? But then I'm also like, yeah, at least I'd rather have three messages telling me this rather than none. And none. so I, yeah. you know, I think we're kind of used to it. And 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 so you just pass through it. And and you know, I sure would it be nice if they do that? But, you know, we had the same thing with my daughter's orthodontist. Uh, you know, three messages about what the new COVID protocol is. And, you know, it's slightly annoying, but for the most part, you look at it, oh yeah, I saw that. Great. Now where it does get confusing is when one text says something and then the next text says something different. Now there's a problem. So as long as the messages are consistent across it so that I don't miss one, because I think, oh, it's the same message. And you're like, oh no, it was slightly different. Show up 15 minutes early or something. Then we have problems. But I think People would rather have over-communication than under-communication, as long as it's consistent communication.
1: No, I agree. Uh, You're definitely right on that point. I think most patients would not complain, (laughs) Uh, but it it, it does become an issue when there's conflicting information. You know, minor ones like, hey, show up 30 minutes or 15 minutes. I'm not really sure. Uh, More concerning will be, hey, book your appointment through this link, which brings you to a different portal and then, or this one right? And mm-hmm. you, have, you go to two different systems, then you're like, which one? Where am I booking the appointment? I'm, maybe I'm thinking I'm booking with my oncologist, but I'm actually booking with my primary care. Like it, it can be confusing uh, if we're not careful. So I think we'll eventually get there, but I think we are just sort of going through a little bit of text fatigue, I guess you can say, where some organizations are saying, wow, we really do text our patients a lot of stuff. And maybe <laughs> that should be a little bit more coordinated.
0: Yeah, we should ask the ratings websites and see how many how many patients have complained about too much communication. I, I bet it's not very many.
1: <laughs> I'm going to say probably not a lot. <laughs> so let's go to the next one, John. Um, and this is obviously very topical right now. Info blocking. Is info blocking a hit or a miss in terms of what it was trying to accomplish, I guess?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a hard one. It's another prediction one uh, since it depends on how they embrace it so the, our healthcare organization is going to embrace this idea that patients deserve access to their information and that they're going to just make it available. And that's true to third parties as well. And, you know, I'm going to say it's, it's kind of a single, you know, <laughs> it's definitely not a home run. It, it's, it's, you know, it's nowhere near grand, grand slam for sure, but you know, it's a single, it gets us, you know, it gets us on base and, you know, we'll see what happens after that. We're going to need more, after it, right, to really score, you know, some points for patients, but it's a single, it's a step in the right direction, it's progress. But so, you yeah, know, it's a slight hit, but uh, you know, we didn't strike out. At least, we're not sitting back on the bench wondering what the heck happened.
1: I think some vendors uh, or some hospitals probably look at this info blocking as a, as a uh, that's a, actually a hit by a pitch. Right? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's sort of like, I, yeah, I got to, you know, I'm, I'm sitting at first base, but it's pretty painful to get here. Right? Um,
0: that's interesting. But,
1: but I, I agree. I think, I think it is a step in the right direction. Obviously, there's still a lot to come and there's going to be some, hopefully some refinements as we continue to to move down it. But I think something had to be done. I mean, there was just too much demand and too much inaction if you will, or lack of action that that the government really did have to step in so now that we have it now that it's arriving and you know or it's here um, you know I think I think people are adapted to it the world didn't collapse right you know no one's you know nothing really really horrible has happened so far so uh, yeah I think we'll we will definitely adapt to it eventually. I'm not even sure though to your point if it ever will be a huge hit. I just think it's one of these things where you know it will it will spawn other, compliance mm. or regulations down the road that will then take us to where we need to go in terms of releasing the information into the hands of the patients
0: yeah it's opening the door i think it's directionally accurate but uh you know there's still a lot of work to be done and and you know there's also we're dealing with the ambival- ambivalence of patients which i think is always challenging so you could have the right policies but if the patient doesn't care th- then what then what yeah
1: um let's go down memory lane john for this one's so a throwback
0: oh um, nice get ready for our vintage one. jerseys <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's right it's our third jersey, the <laughs> jerseys of vintage um and that is meaningful use was that a hit or miss looking back on that one
0: yeah so i kind of look at meaningful use which you know To be honest, personally, and for healthcare IT today, it's a hit. I mean, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for meaningful use. So maybe Mm -hmm. I'm biased in this. But I mean, I think for the industry as a whole, I kind of see it as like a sacrifice fly, you know, that it was kind of this necessary pain to to create progress. Should we have done a lot more with $36 billion? Yeah, absolutely. Right? Right. We, you know, we, we, it wasn't even a sacrifice fly with the, uh, with the person on third base to get him home to score a run. It's a sacrifice fly with him on first that moved him to second. Right. So I guess if we're, if we're, if we're, continuing the analogy, I guess that's not considered a hit. It's, (laughs) it's, I guess it is a miss, but it did provide some progress. You know, it did provide a platform that, Hey, now we're all on EHR and it's allowing for some discussions that wouldn't have been possible had we not done meaningful use and really pushed adoption of EHR.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, for me meaningful use achieved what it set out to achieve which is to digitize and get everyone onto an electronic platform yeah. and if we remember back to when it first started you know the adoption rate of electronic records was under you know 25 percent or 30 percent depending which numbers you looked at it was low and and even then i would say the the numbers were generous because it was like you know if you had like one part of your operation on digital health you know in ehr exactly. you know you count it counted right so it took something like meaningful use and the massive influx of dollars and the compliance requirements to really move the industry forward. And I think it was the right stick and carrot to get us there. But you know, should we have gotten more value out of that, you know, billions that we spent? Absolutely. I think that from that point it was kind of a little disappointing. We only got the only thing we did was we got everyone up to like now we're all electronic, but no one talks to each other still, and we have all these data issues. But now at least we have data issues, right? <laughs> like, you know, we're not talking about paper records still and faxing, you know, as the, as the only solution. Now we're at least talking about, boy, I've got so many silos. How do I consolidate it? How do I make sense of all this? information? How do I normalize this data that I now have with my hands around? And so I think those are good problems to have. Um, just I think people will look back and probably go, yeah, we probably should have gotten more for that billions of dollars.
0: Well, and I think the challenge is everyone wanted So Here's what doctors really wanted from an EHR. Oh, you can just do my documentation for me? Great. I would love that. (laughs) You know, oh, you'll make all the records interoperable just automatically because we went electronic. We went to EHR and now I have all the information that I would need at the point of care from whatever health system I want. Yeah, that would have been great. We all agree that those two things would have been wonderful. The problem was... If that was your expectation, then you didn't understand the industry. (laughs) You didn't understand that it takes steps to get to those points. Right. And could we have done a better job? Absolutely. I mean, should we have been more, more interoperable than we are today? Absolutely. But, these are steps forward that were needed to be taken in order to have those discussions you don't just jump from home to third base you know you got to run around the bases so you know it, it's painful should we be better absolutely i wish we were and i think we will be but you know we i think we're headed in a direction that's really interesting and i think over these next five to ten years well it's going to be interesting the influence of the hr may decrease in many ways will have a, a, an increase of other things that are more influential, but it is an important stepping stone.
1: Yeah. I think to, to end on this analogy, I would say I would compare meaningful use to overpaying for a free agent, right? Yeah. And then having them having a disappointing season. You're like, well, yeah, they you know, I got a few runs and a few RBIs, but I really kind of overpaid for yeah, what I and got. Yeah, it was a
0: pitcher that started 10 games, but, you know, they didn't quite deliver. Yeah, that's Exactly, <laughs> exactly.
1: Hey, listen, thanks to all of you who tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. You can find out more details about our show by checking out the program's page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on Twitter using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hung with my friend and health IT collaborator John Lin. Thanks for listening have a great week.